Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Was Michael Jackson innocent? Almost certainly not. Well, maybe that's unfair. I've only been able to analyse from afar. I saw that documentary, Leaving Neverland, and I believe the guys who say that MJ molested them. It's all very sad. I think it's a little more complicated than just horrible, evil man molests children. It does seem as though Jackson was himself a victim of all kinds of disgusting, horrible, irreparable child abuse when he was younger and didn't ever seem to grow up. He was stuck in childhood. At the same time, I'm not sure how far in that direction, that forgiving direction, I'm comfortable going because he still wrote beautiful, complex music. He seemed conscious enough and smart enough to write touching lyrics and to produce coherent work over a lifetime or over a career. So in my mind, the guy was aware of things outside of himself he he was guilty and conscious enough to know what he was doing and to know that what he was doing was wrong today's guest aphrodite jones is an american author reporter and television producer who hosts the tv series true crime with aphrodite jones she also wrote the book michael jackson conspiracy which provides vivid details that people never saw in the news she accuses the accusers of michael jackson of being grifters in search of a big payday It's very important to remind you listeners that my guest's views do not reflect my own, far from it, but she does also raise interesting points about due justice, as I do believe it is important to give even awful, horrendous, abhorrent people a fair trial. In any case, I hope that you'll enjoy hearing again about that trial and the problems with it and Michael Jackson in general and what Aphrodite really thinks was going on. And we have a bit of a back and forward where we don't entirely agree, but it was uh, a pleasant enough conversation, I think. And uh, you should follow her on Aphrodite Jones. I just like that she's asking questions, you know, always ask 
questions um, I'm on andrewgold underscore ok on twitter by the way please do follow the patreon patreon.com slash andrewgold to support the show and give me a review on apple podcasts I'd also like to thank producer Ash Meikle and my pal Sean Atwood who originally organised and hosted this episode we did have some microphone problems and it was all done live so you'll hear some issues with my microphone thank you to my lovely fiance Hooli for editing around that as much as possible I hope it is still uh, in an, an enjoyable listen coming up are episodes with AJ Jacobs who lived biblically for a year I loved talking to him and the second or third part really with my friend James Altucher but now you're on the edge of the Michael Jackson trial with Aphrodite Jones Aphrodite, how are you doing? Good, Andrew. How are you? I am very well, thanks. That's a lot. You've probably heard this before, but it's a lot of pressure to begin life with with a name like that. Yes, it's been a whole you know journey for me my whole life. I'm born with the name, named after my grandmother, half Greek, half English. So there you have it. It's real. Oh, well, that's beautiful. As as is as is Aphrodite. As you know, that's the. The whole point of Aphrodite, isn't it? <laughs> so tell us a bit about, um, we're going to be talking about Michael Jackson today. And you are one of the prominent people. You, you wrote a book of Conspiracy, Michael Jackson Conspiracy. Is it Michael Jackson Conspiracy, the name of the book? Yes, it is. Good. Yes. Yes. And and I think, I thought anyway, that most people, the consensus is now that Michael Jackson was a, a, we've got to be careful what words we use on, on Sean's stream, but, a, a, you know, that he was involved with, with children. And uh, you, you posit that that is not the case. What I posit is that the trial against Michael Jackson, Jackson in 2005 was a sham. That the media, you know, today we talk about media and covering things up and, you know, um, having an agenda and it's more out there in the world, right? Because of social media. Back at the time when that trial happened in 2005, there was no Facebook, there was no anything really that people used. And so the media, 2,200 credential journalists decided to only report those things that were alleged in court and did not report the cross-examination of those allegations by anyone because it wasn't suited to them. So you had two trials happening at the same time. You had a real trial in the courtroom, and then you had a trial by media outside the courtroom. And nobody ever rectified that, which is what my book is about. Okay, so so that it was... And, and here's the thing. That's not good. We know that those things happen. We know that, that you know, trial by media, it, it happens. But if you're, you're also suggesting that maybe he didn't do those things because otherwise why is it important to you why it's important to me is because martin bashir is the person who made his name off of princess diana and later off of michael jackson so why it's important to me is that this trial would never have happened if not for martin bashir's documentary martin bashir was the first witness to take the stand martin bashir documentary was the first thing we saw in court for two and a half hours. And so Tom Snedden used that documentary to go after that family, to get a family of grifters to go after Jackson. And now what do we find with Martin Bashir? 25 years after the 
Diana interview, suddenly the BBC is apologizing and paying, uh, you know, damages to people. Right. Well, I mean, he's he's lost all credibility, Martin Bashir. I think in in the UK and and worldwide, I'd say. Um, and and you're right that that documentary was in was insane. But what what particular issues do do you take with that Martin Bashir documentary? Okay, so Martin Bashir coaxed Diana right by fr- now we know by setting up fake bank accounts and claiming that she was being spied upon by her inner circle. Right. But most people around the world don't necessarily know that. You in the UK know it as a fact. Now, Bashir used that same tactic on Michael Jackson. And the underhanded way in which he handled Jackson actually uh, made Jackson decide to do this interview, to do this and let him be followed around for months on end without any pay, without any contract, without anything because Michael Jackson was obsessed with royalty. Michael Jackson wanted to be in the same, uh, you know, aura of Princess Diana, and he trusted this man. Bashir was there for one thing only, and that was to figure out how he could turn the tables on Michael Jackson. And he did that in a few ways. He did that by, first of all, having the quote, luck of being there when Michael held the baby out blanket to see the fans in Germany, right? So he was able to utilize that fully. And we see that Michael is saying, you know, I just wanted them to see the baby. I wasn't trying to dangle the baby and hurt the baby. We see that in the film, but the truth is Martin Bashir is using it step by step. If you look at the outtake footage, which is no longer available to people, but that I have a copy of, um, you will see that he's the incy weensy spider going after Jackson bit by bit, off camera. And the reason there's only off camera footage is because that was the one thing Jackson did to to protect himself. He took his own videographer and a separate video of the entirety of it, including all the outtakes, all the breaks, whatever else. So yeah, I don't know if you realize that. No, didn't know that. Okay, so when you look at the entirety of this, which again was never shown on ITV, was never seen by the public. You will you will know that Michael Jackson did nothing but talk about his kids, talk about um, you know his his uh, work with children around the world, and the whole idea behind this, Andrew, was for Martin Bashir to help Michael Jackson create a children's day. Okay, now who wants that? Who would think of that, right? But the truth is, Michael Jackson was still a child, right? So in his mind, he didn't have a childhood, and he wanted to create an international children's holiday. And he talked about how children uh, around the world aren't celebrated, children around the world don't have a specific day dedicated to them. There's a Mother's Day, there's a Father's Day, there's no Children's Day. And he talked about how difficult it was and how afraid he was of his father and how he had no childhood because his mother was a Jehovah's Witness. I don't know if you're familiar no. with that. Are you, Andrew? No, I, I knew the I knew the father was uh, quite abusive with the kids. Okay, so here's the thing. Michael Jackson, because his mother was a Jehovah's Witness, they are not allowed to celebrate holidays. They are not allowed to celebrate birthdays. So there's no Christmas, there's no birthday, 
There's no Easter. There's no nothing, no Thanksgiving. So all his life, and he talks about it in the outtake footage, how he was deprived of any sense of childhood because of the religion of his mother and then his father working him from the age of five years old on stage. All of that's in that in the outtake footage of that documentary, Andrew, and we never saw it. Nobody ever saw it. You raise a really interesting point, and it is that moral thing of, you know, how much do we judge people for who they are and how much do we say, hey, that person who went on to do bad things, you know, there were mitigating factors. Uh, and it appears there were many with Michael Jackson, an extremely complex person who probably had a lot of very good in him and also might have been psychologically you know, ruined to an extent by his uh, terrible upbringing. Um, but isn't it also the job of a documentary maker to to expose this, particularly when he was getting people's kids around to his house uh, to sleep the night? Well, here's the thing. Martin Bashir orchestrated that sleeping in the bed together moment in the documentary that went around the world, okay, and, and created this cr criminal trial against Jackson. He is the person who suggested to Michael, let's bring up one of the kids that you helped with their sickness. Let's bring up one of those kids to Neverland so that we can show how you have really helped children. Now, understandable, and understandably, this is Michael Jackson's attempt for damage control. We know that, okay? It's not as though this is Michael Jackson in a, in a you know, a fog. No, he knows that this is, Bashir's gonna help him turn his life around as he claimed that he turned Diana's life around. Okay. And so Jackson wants to stop the rumors. Jackson wants to show that he helps children. And Bashir says, you know what? Let's bring one of the kids that you helped up to Neverland. The kid they chose, Gavin Arbizo, was brought to Neverland. And at the time he was brought there, at the time of the documentary, we see photos of this kid in a wheelchair with no hair on his head because he was in chemotherapy treatments, okay? So surely Michael Jackson is not sexually molesting a child while he's making a documentary that's damage control, okay? A child that's in a wheelchair and has no hair on their head because they're so sickly, right? Well, we don't we don't know. We don't I mean, but but maybe not. Maybe not. I'd like to believe that he he didn't in that precise moment. But there are so many allegations and so many times that he was behaving inappropriately, I suppose. And uh, he, whether whether he actually molested people or not, you know, sleeping in beds with children apparently that wasn't the only time. And unless unless I mean you know more than I do unless it was. No, it was not. I get that. Okay, we have the whole Jordy Chandler settlement. There's a whole stream of things behind why Tom Steddon went after Jackson in that particular case. But what I am saying to you is this case, and no, we do know, I'll tell you what, we do know that Michael Jackson didn't molest this kid when he was there with a bald head in a wheelchair, because that's not what the kid alleges. What the kid alleges is that he was molested after the Bashir documentary aired when they were trying to do further damage control because Bashir suggested they both sit on the bed together and hold hands. So we see all of that in the film. And, and here, here's the thing. The reason I wrote this book and now is now out on audio tape for the first time is to show people what media slant and bias can do. It's not to totally acquit Michael Jackson. I, I can't speak for 
everything that anybody's rumored about Michael Jackson. No one can. But what I can tell you is witness after witness for the defense came forward, for the prosecution rather, came forward to say that they were, quote, molested or touched really by Michael Jackson. There was no allegation in that time about there was actual, you know, penetration, nothing, nothing, nothing. And they were all skewered by Tom Mesereau on cross-examination. But what did the media do? They only reported allegations and never reported the other side. And I'll give you an example. Jason Francia, one of the prosecution's witnesses, it was allowed to bring in prior bad acts, okay, in this trial, which is another ruling of the judge, very slanted against Jackson. On come two or three different young, now young men were boys to say that they were allegedly molested. Jason Francia gets on the stand and says, Michael touched him outside of his genes. And because of that, you ready? He had to go through years of psychotherapy because he was so traumatized by that. Not out, no clothes, a clothed, okay, a clothed kid. That's his statement. And there were many others who, you know, testified during that trial, the people who worked for Jackson, the people who are disgruntled employees, who alleged all these things that you're, you're talking about, okay? Who, it turns out, when the cross-examination, they sold their stories to the tabloids, they sold things for Michael Jackson, they were actually um, pressed charges against Jackson, tried to sue him, and the judge ruled in favor of Jackson against these disgruntled employees. So, you know, I think there needs to be some separation of fact, fiction, and rumor. And, and I think there needs to be more focus on how media can truly slant before a trial, I mean, no trial by media, but can truly slant any hope of reality when it comes to a superstar. And then of course, it's now filtered down to everyone and anyone who happens to have a tweet or happens to make a comment on Facebook, you know? No, I know exactly what you're talking about. And and I, you know, look, I respect what you're doing because journalists need to be doing this work. At the same time, what we've got to weigh that up with is that it is very, very difficult to prove um, sexual misconduct and those kinds of things, isn't it? I mean, no one's in the room with, with them. So under cross-examination, you know, you could well fail to prove beyond reasonable doubt uh, what he did or didn't do. So that's where, you know, the amount of time, it's, it's not unreasonable to presume, and I wouldn't lock someone up under, you know, presumption, you know, this is presumption, as you say, and it's rumor, and but it's not unreasonable for us to presume that the kind of person who it was touching a boy outside of his genes also touched other boys inside of their genes, and especially if he was sleeping in beds with them. It's easy to make that leap. And I, I'm not in the bed to, 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 to confirm or deny any of it. But I will say this, at the trial, the only time that Michael Jackson was actually tried for this, when you say it's difficult to prove or disprove, the, the kid, the accuser, Gavin Arvizo, took the stand and couldn't remember how many times he was, quote, molested, changed the story numerous times about his involvement with Michael Jackson. At the same time, his brother took the stand as a separate witness to allege that he saw two acts of molestation on uh, by the accuser, that he witnessed it. Now, do you really think, and the jury certainly didn't think, that Michael Jackson is molesting a kid who is 
has no hair on his head, is sickly, coming out of a wheelchair in front of the brother? I don't know. Maybe. No. No, 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 no. People do quite evil things. I mean, you just said that he had such a bad childhood that he was basically a child. So either he knew right or wrong or he didn't. And if he didn't, which is, I think, the supposition that we are both under, then he may well have done something like that. I am not saying Michael Jackson was a child. Michael Jackson had children at the time. Michael Jackson was not a child. Okay. What I am saying is that those witnesses and that particular trial were absolutely impeached on the stand, told three different stories about what happened and when, impeached themselves within the trial and turned out to be people who witnesses you've never heard about. Chris Tucker testified that this same family were grifters and after him for money. George Lopez testified that this same family were grifters and went after them for money under the guise of Gavin needed cancer treatments and blood blood transfusions, okay? Jay Leno testified that this family were grifters, that he didn't trust to help them with a Make-A-Wish foundation that he works with. It was not just, okay, witnesses who were uh, part of Neverland or claimed they saw things or the family of accusers. This was a trial that was a, a equivalent to a lynching of Michael Jackson. And when it was all said and done, Andrew, and he was acquitted and people realized that the reason he was acquitted is the jury did not believe and could not believe various accounts that didn't make sense or add up of grifters who had a history of going after not just stars, but also after the JC Penney Corporation for quote, sexual abuse. I'm not sure if you're aware of it, it's in the book, all right? In which, okay, the mother alleged that she was sexually molested at the department store parking lot of the JCPenney department store here in the States, in LA. And her sons testified to that, all right? Prior to the allegations against Jackson, years prior, they had taken acting lessons. We learned that at the trial. And she got a $125,000 settlement out of that department store because of it. The whole thing trumped up. So what I'm telling you is that the media in this case, and that's what I'm focused on in my book, right? Completely distorted all of the facts to lead people to believe that Michael Jackson was truly guilty and that this jury was starstruck, okay? When in fact they were there, those who covered it, for the entirety of the trial and saw the other side, never reported it. And when it was all said and done, ah, we're not interested in this story anymore. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that, private. What's changed? The internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched or tweeted. Now imagine all of that data being crawled through, collected and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record, your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about, but in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. 
To keep my data private when I go online, I turn to ExpressVPN. Did you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell your data? The worst part is they don't have to tell you who they're selling it to or get your consent. One of these data points is your IP address. Data harvesters use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, my connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and my IP address is masked. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it more difficult for third parties to identify me and harvest my data. And the best part is how easy ExpressVPN is to use. No matter what device you're on, phone, laptop or smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button to get protected. So if, like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com slash heretics and get three extra months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash heretics. Go to expressvpn.com slash heretics to learn more. Hey, it's Andrew. If you're enjoying Heretics, there's another podcast I want to recommend to you, especially if climate change, global conflicts and an upcoming election are making you feel like we're on the brink of disaster. What Could Go Right is hosted by Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and executive director Emma Varvalukas. On What Could Go Right, the hosts sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues without resorting to pessimism or despair that we hear so often. Instead, they look back at how far society has come and look forward at what it will take to achieve an even brighter future. Is progress on the way? They may not have all the answers, but on What Could Go Right, they're asking the key questions. Tune in to hear interviews with upcoming guests like writer Coleman Hughes, CNN host Fareed Zakaria, and economist Alison Schrager. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, join them every Wednesday on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. What about the two two guys after he, he died? What about that documentary, Finding Neverland? Okay, so I haven't seen it. I've seen part of it. It's very disturbing from what I've seen, okay? But I have a question. Why did Wade Robson decide to be the very first witness for the defense? Why? If he, in fact, was molested, okay, many years prior, now we know people who are molested, kids who are molested are wary and don't want to, you know, are embarrassed and there's a whole psychological trauma that goes along with it, no question. But why would he anxiously get on that stand? Why would he with fervor get on that stand to say nothing happened? That's a question I have because, you know, he then sued the, you know, the estate looking for monies you know, and that suit was dismissed by a judge just a year ago, along with the suit by Jimmy Safechuck, which was the other young man in the Leaving Neverland documentary. 
now, now the cases were dismissed because you can't hold the estate responsible for alleged actions of Michael Jackson. And but my question is, if they were so hell bent on letting people know that they were molested again, why did this young man Wade Robson get up and testify with fervor? Well, I mean, you answered it yourself, didn't you? We know that people under duress do these kinds of things in court. We know that people, I think, uh, often plead guilty, for example, when they're not and vice versa, of course. We know that it must be very difficult to be molested by a, a superstar, your idol. You don't want to get him in trouble when you're when you're a child. There's all sorts of reasons you might do that. You could even say, but you know, you could even say that that is evidence to his honesty. The fact that, well, not his honesty, but the fact that he didn't. It's a testament to how much he didn't want to get Michael Jackson in trouble. The, the initial uh, denial. You know? I suppose, and and that's that sounds all well and good. But remember, he was not a child when he testified. It was many years later. He was an adult and he took the stand and he swore in front of God and everyone else to tell the truth. So again, you know, if he's so traumatized, if he's, all he wants to do is protect Michael Jackson. Um, okay, perhaps, but to get on the stand with fervor and to say what he said, as did Macaulay Culkin, as did others, who testified that they were never touched by Michael Jackson, okay? It just, it. I'm sorry, but it doesn't wash. What's your opinion? What do you think of Michael Jackson? I, I know you, you you know, you don't want to, it's speculation, isn't it? But what do you think he did in, around that area, you know, Michael Jackson? Around the area of the allegations and molestation? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm, try, I'm trying not to say the buzzwords that will get Sean's channel kicked off. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, in my opinion, right, Michael Jackson was somewhere stuck in puberty. That's what I think of Michael Jackson. I think he never got out of puberty, even though he was a man and he had children. And I think that his desire to have kids around in that age range who were in the bed, not in the bed, at, 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 on his amusement rides, whatever it was, had to do with as much of not having a childhood and being stuck in a time warp than anything else. And when you think of Michael Jackson and you realize he did not have friends, he did not have his family were using him all throughout the rest of his life because he was the breadwinner, he was the star, okay? He had no one he could trust. He he really, you know, his his whole joy in life was being on the stage. Other than that, it was being around kids. Now, can I say absolutely that I know he didn't do something to Jordy Chandler? I don't know. I don't know. But Juden Chandler took the stand and argued that nothing happened to her son. Okay. Another witness that nobody heard about when the trial was there in the courtroom and a different trial was being reported by media. You're in a, I suppose, a, a tricky situation, and, and I think I think that's good. I think that's where journalists should be, uh, where you might be defending somebody, and you know this. You might be defending somebody who's done atrocious, awful, awful things, but you also point out problems with media bias, and there may well, as you say, have been problems with the court cases and things like that, and those those need to be pointed out. That's that's not how uh, justice 
works. So I'm, I'm pleased you bring those up. But it, it must be difficult for you to put yourself on that in that position where you're effectively defending someone that you know might have done these awful, awful things. Have you gotten since writing the book? Have you gotten uh, what sort of reaction have you gotten? Well, obviously, Michael Jackson's fans around the world are are happy about the book because it shows a different side of this entirety trial okay that it was a sham and it was um people who are not michael jackson fans including the publishing world don't want to know anything about this book hang on everyone's a michael jackson fan mm, no they're not not people who think His music he's, yeah but not people who think he's an evil sinister person who did these evil unspeakable things to children right but his music, his music's still amazing. It reminds me of the Woody Allen thing because his movies are so amazing as well. And you know, and that's another one we could have a debate about all day because you know a lot of people believe Woody's innocent as well, which he may may well be. You know. Yeah, I mean, and you know, look, I was at the Bill Cosby trial as well. Okay, and in that case, you saw witness after witness. I saw young women now, young women who had been, you know, girls who were drugged and woke up realizing that they had been touched, molested, fooled with, whatever the case may be. And the jury believed it because who was testifying was very credible. What I'm saying to you is the kids who testified in this trial of Michael Jackson were not credible, okay? And so I've had experience with this at with other celebrities, such as Bill Cosby. I had experience with it with, I don't know if you're familiar with Jerry Sandusky from um, Penn State, the football coach. Yes, yes. Who went on trial for sexual molestation. I was at that trial in Pennsylvania. And again, there were the witnesses who testified had letters between themselves and Sandusky, basically calling them my boyfriend and, you know, very sexual loving comments that were made in letters that were appeared, comments, statements that appeared that were graphic. Never once did anyone ever say Michael Jackson penetrated them. Never once did anyone say that Michael Jackson, you know, full on was in, in a sexual relationship with them. We don't know but that. But do you, do you think do you think he did? Come on, let, let's. I want to get to the the bottom of this. What you really think? I know you said he's in, he hasn't got he's stuck in puberty, and the, which, by the way, is is a theory, a, a quite a common theory about you know, people who go for children that they are themselves stuck in childhood. So, what do you what's what do you really think? I really think that Michael Jackson has been misjudged by the media, and I really think that people need to take a second look. That's all. Do you think he ever molested a child? I don't know. Which, what do you lean towards? <laughs> yeah, it's hard, isn't it? I mean, there's a confirmation bias to an extent. You've written this book, so you, you lean, and a lot of, I have to lean that way as well because I want to continue enjoying his music. So well, it's hard. It is hard, and, and I will say this. In the past, when I've done some interviews about Michael Jackson, and I have said, point blank, I can't answer for anybody else other than this kid for which he was on trial, okay? And that is true. I can't. But I have had a lot of backlash when I say that from his fans. And I'm not really in the mood to sit and, and speculate about what Michael Jackson did or did not do or why he paid $20 million to Jordy Chandler. I think it can speak for itself. I don't need to speak to it because I wasn't there 
And as I said, I watched June Chandler, I watched her on the stand make a plea for Michael Jackson's innocence, okay? So all I can tell you is what I saw, what I witnessed. And, you know, all I can tell you is that, again, the media, Bashir, who has been totally discredited now on what he did with Princess Diana, and also discredited what he did to Michael Jackson, should take note I, I think i think you've argued it um fascinatingly aphrodite thank you so much for doing so where can people get get where do you want to send people now book and social media and stuff so so yeah my um website is aphroditejones.com the book is available on amazon you know everywhere whether it's a paper copy or whether it's a the ebook and the audiobook and you know so i direct people to amazon or my website and you know i think People need to take a second look. That's all. That's all I'm saying, Andrew. Really, I appreciate that. That's this is journalism 101, you know, and it's not done enough. And you need to look at both sides. So I appreciate that, Aphrodite. Thank you so much for coming on, and, and have a lovely day. You too. Thanks so much, Andrew. Thank you so much, Aphrodite Jones, for giving up your time. People, support her by following her on Twitter. It's her name. And if you want to know more about the problems in the trial, get her book, Michael Jackson Conspiracy. I do feel like it seems there were problems with the trial and that that is a terrible abuse of justice. I also believe the accusers, or I at least believe some of the people who have come forward over the years... Uh, who seem to have very similar stories about what Michael Jackson did to them. And it's very important to make that clear uh, to show that they, those people are being listened to and heard by the great majority of us. I'm sure I'll get some angry emails about that, but what can you do? See you all next time with AJ Jacobs, who lived like the Bible for a year. Have a nice weekend. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.